And we're back. Did we ever leave, though? Uh, today is Sunday, December 13th, 2020. You are listening to the Northside Sox podcast, a subsidiary of the Southside Sox podcast network. I am Janice Gurrio. With me, as always, never failing, is the wonderful, the inimitable Sam Sherman. Sam, how the hell are you? I am good. I am real good. Uh, I've got some incense Got my incense lit in the room, smelling real charcoaly in here, but apparently in a way that charcoal should smell good. I don't know. I don't know. How are you, Jan? Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I uh, can't say I've ever st- stuck my face in a bag of charcoal and inhaled deeply. Uh, maybe, maybe that's something I should try doing. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I do not have any uh, olfactory stimulation going on today. I, I did make bacon for breakfast, though, so uh, my apartment is uh, <laughs> kind of smelling, you know, a little, little, you know, like porcine remnants, like sifting through the air. Uh, but anyway, uh, we are talking into your ear, ear holes this morning uh, for many reasons, uh, one of which being the White Sox are making moves as the finger on the monkey paws curls. And it also looks like time is a flat circle. Earlier this week, the White Sox sent Dane Dunning and Avery Weems to Texas in exchange for Lance Lynn. And at first glance, like, this is awesome. This is totally cool. So the White Sox finally have that number three starter in the rotation. Uh, Lance Lynn had a fantastic season last year. Uh, Arguably, this deal very well could have been made uh, before the trade deadline. Uh, and so it was brought up that Lance Flynn uh, was given the ability to uh, veto any trades, but he did say that he would have been interested in a trade to the White Sox uh, before the trade deadline last year, but apparently uh, the Rangers were asking for a little too much. Uh, not exactly sure what they were asking for, but uh, one of those pitchers uh, was rumored to be Dane Dunning, and now the Rangers uh, finally have their guy. And so uh, before we get a little bit into Lance Lynn, uh, let's go ahead and give Dane Dunning his flowers. So uh, Dane was part of the three-player return from the Nationals when the White Sox traded uh, Adam Eaton at the 2016 Winter Meetings, (laughs) along with now staff ace Lucas Giolito and right-hander Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, Kind of uh, upon the precipices of uh, this rebuild. So essentially, uh, the White Sox were able to uh, flip Adam Eaton for himself. Uh, so I, for one, will miss Dane a lot. I do remember the game where he threw five no-hit innings but was pulled early because he's still um, under recovery from Tommy John surgery. So I uh, totally understand. Uh, it was really awesome watching Dane pitch. He's got a killer curveball. Uh, I just remember the pitching ninja gifts and including them into as many of my stories as possible. So uh, Dane's breaking stuff is absolutely filthy. Uh, but it's very true that he will he will unlikely turn into a guy that will go five innings without issue. Uh, so uh, he's he's also 26. Uh, I feel as if the White Sox uh, need someone right now. Uh, they definitely don't need someone who might be good in a year or two. Uh, they are definitely in a right now. Uh, now is the time to win uh, mindset, uh, which kind of you know, confuses me about the Eaton reacquisition, but uh, we'll, that, that's a bridge we'll cross in a little bit. 
But uh, yeah, anyway, I, I, f- I feel as if Dane is going to be a great fit for the Texas Rangers. Uh, they, they're also, uh, too, making moves that I'm, you know, just slightly jealous of. Uh, but we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Sam, any Dane Dunning thoughts before we uh, talk about uh, <laughs> our, our old friend, Adam Eaton? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, you hit on a lot of those. I think for me, when when the trade broke, uh, honestly, um, and I even saw, you know, I I think when I first saw the news, I don't remember if you had texted me the the tweet or something, but I had seen very quickly after that Dunning was the player in return, or it was rumored or something. Um, and I I was initially totally I was excited about it. I was thinking this Lance Lynn is exactly the guy that the White Sox need. We saw in the playoffs um, this past season in Game Three, we saw Dunning. Uh, take the mound in that must-win game, um, getting you know ended up getting pulled in the first inning. Arguably, maybe would have gotten out of it. Who knows? But you don't want to mess around in that kind of a game. However, a guy like Lance Lynn is exactly the pitcher that the White Sox would have loved to have thrown to the mound in a in a must-win kind of situation like that. Um, he's a he's a really perfect number three. I think yeah, you look at Dunning and you see the six years that he's under contract for. Um, and you see what he did last season in, in sort of limited action. I think there's a really a lot to like there. But what we've talked about a lot in this podcast, um, in, in in our podcast brief history, one of the one of the topics that has come up a lot is you got, if, in order to get talent, you have to trade talent. You know, you got to give up something to get something. I think that if both sides giving up something are what do people say? If, if both sides are disappointed in some way, then it's probably a good trade. Um, I think there's some truth to that. Maybe. You know, maybe Texas would have wanted more uh, than than Dunning. Maybe the White Sox, you know, didn't Sox fans didn't want to give up Dunning. I think at the end of the day, uh, that's the sign of a solid trade. Um, I'm personally just really hurt that the Sox gave up on Avery Weems. I mean, a guy that for (laughs) literally, you know, days. I mean, days uh, we were we were really uh, really really high on in the organization and. In all, in all seriousness, we texted a little bit about this, but like that trade happened and then it was Dunning and Avery Weems. I'd never heard of Avery Weems before ever. And I think, I don't know if I, I forget, had you heard of Avery Weems up until then? Uh, admittedly, no, uh, but I did <laughs> but, find out that he was on a couple of prospect lists though, which yes. I mean, like, like, like technically like everyone ends up on a prospect list sometime uh, I, sooner I, or later in their career though. I mean, the thing with that that was just like frustrating for me was, you know, you and I are are pretty pretty, uh, you know, uh, in, in we we stay in the loop with with Sox news and I think Sox organizational things through the minor leagues about as much as as anyone can expect. Right. And, and right, for, I, I, for, I like to think so. Yeah, and, and I like to, I like to think so. But then he gets traded, and I see some tweets of people being like, "Avery Weems is not just a throw-in," and I'm thinking like, "Okay, that might be true. I don't know." But I almost felt like this is going to be a very this 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 is going you know quite off the rails a little bit. But I'm just just bear oh, with me. Oh dear! I, oh dear! I almost, All right. I almost feel like you, you're obviously you've seen the Truman Show. You know the premise. Yes. The Truman Show. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like some when I was younger, I used to think I used to I had this I thought that like I was like wow I, after I saw the Truman Show like probably a lot of uh, people I was like wow I think my life is the Truman Show. And then I remember saying to my mom, I was like panicking about it. This one, I was like little. And, and my mom was like, your, your life's not the Truman show. And I was just like, why? 
And she's like, cause your life's not interesting. Like what would be, interesting? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, but anyway, the, the, the reason I bring that up is because I almost feel like Avery Weems, like was what, like, if my life is the Truman show, then the writer is just, threw in this guy and they're like, Oh wait, we never introduced this character of Avery Weems. So Sam doesn't know who that is, but we should have introduced it earlier. Cause we just made him up out of thin air and all the studies on all these prospect lists. Anyway, that may have made no sense to anybody. Um, if whether you've seen the Truman show or not, but the fact is um, kind of wrapping that up. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with the trade. Yes. It hurts to lose Dane Dunning. I think there's a very solid chance that Dunning becomes a, um, at, at best, probably a, a really solid three, more likely maybe a, a really, really good four in that rotation um, for the Rangers and a, a rebuilding club. Um, but but I think Sox fans are really going to like Lance Lynn. And if they can extend Lynn, um, mm. I think that's going to be even better. If they don't, uh, well, we'll see. But uh, yeah, there's, there were some other there were some other acquisitions that we must <laughs> that we must discuss, unfortunately. <laughs> So, Sam, I'm really sorry to do this and to, go, to, to kind of go back onto your Truman Show metaphor. I think you're also kind of describing the Mandela effect a little bit to the, the degree where yeah. uh, as, a collect- as a collective bunch, we may think that a certain event happened or a certain player played for the White Sox when that, <laughs> in fact, has never been true. So I guess my closest White Sox Mandela effect uh, example would definitely be uh, Curtis Granderson. I, I don't know why the hell I – it, it, in my mind, like, I, I know he didn't play for the White Sox, but uh, in, in my mind, he has. For, for whatever reason, uh, he just kind of had a brief stint uh, as, a, as an uh, outfielder, uh, just on a short one-year deal, uh, kind of similar to the, like, the 2018 Milwaukee Brewers, where uh, he was a, a really fantastic uh, midseason addition for them. Uh, that, that, that happened with the White Sox. I know it didn't, but in my mind, it certainly has. <laughs> I, well, I, and I think we, we both gladly would have taken that stint, uh, as a manager in this last managerial search, but uh, did not happen. But manager coach Granderson did not come to fruition, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in universe two or three. Uh, say uh, Curtis Granderson has given his uh, third press conference uh, to the White Sox media. <laughs> Jimmy Cordero is left-handed and wears a compression sleeve. Uh, so <laughs> Lucas Giolito is clean shaven. So universe two, like, there's all sorts of just bizarro things happening. I don't think uh, I could be. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think I could handle a clean shaven Giolito. It would like throw off my, my, it would throw off everything. It would absolutely just rip another hole into the space-time continuum, <laughs> uh, giving us access to Universe 3, where even yes. more bizarro things w- are happening. So in Universe 3, uh, Dallas Keuchel wears high socks. Let's see. <laughs> what else? In Universe 3, Eloia Menez uh, steals fly balls from Luis Robert. Uh, and in Universe 3, uh, Nomar Mazzara uh, st- is sticking around because uh, he hit, like, 20 home runs last season. <laughs> so, anyway, pick your universe. Uh, I, I, I guess the point I'm getting at is that our universe is obviously not the the best possible one. So, <laughs> just, well, people, just going back. <laughs> people in Universe 3 are hearing that 20 home run Mazzara thing, and they're thinking, they're thinking, I mean, he... And they don't know what he did in in our universe, so they're like, I mean, what he had to have hit like fifteen. What it's only five off of, of universe three. It's like, oh no no no, universe three, it is. <laughs> Although the home run he did hit, 
was it, it, it was a good one. I do have to one. admit. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> Absolutely, it was a good I, one. <laughs> it was it was thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, yes. So, uh, going on to our next point. Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and offer um, Nomar Mazara his flowers as well, <laughs> uh, sort of maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll like give him a single rose. Like, yeah. like it, it's it's more of a get the hell out of here rose. <laughs> it's, it's 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 not like a bachelorette rose. Uh, yeah, so no, the it's... exact opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, without any losing any steam, the Sox made perhaps a, a slightly more controversial move, welcoming Adam Eaton back on a one year deal. So uh, an old friend alert, perhaps not the old friend alert we really wanted to hear. So uh, from Scott Merkin's article, uh, Adam Eaton's return to the White Sox was officially announced Thursday with the right fielder signing a one-year $7 million deal with an $8.5 million club option and $1 million buyout for 2022. So uh, the, th- the question that is probably lingering in many White Sox fans' minds, uh, my mind including yours too, Sam, why? Why? So uh, this move yeah. is very similar to the Mazzara trade in the sense that Eaton is sort of above replacement level. Uh, last year, he marked a, a negative B-war, uh, but his career uh, war is is positive. Uh, so maybe um, when the White Sox asked, for, or, or at least when I asked for a... Uh, an outfielder that was above replacement <laughs> level, uh, I, I think the occult uh, t- puts way too much importance on career war. And so when the finger on that monkey paw curled, it saw Adam Neaton and was like, let's get this guy. Uh, <laughs> so Rick Hahn also said in a press conference earlier that uh, the Eaton signing was meant to achieve some sort of form of financial flexibility which I thought was especially interesting uh, because how many times have we been told as White Sox fans that these lackluster moves will lead to bigger acquisitions? Mm -hmm. So in perhaps something that was mildly infuriating to me, uh, the Rangers picked up David Dahl, uh, someone who was on my short list for possible right fielders that the White Sox could acquire uh, for $3 million. Uh, so Dahl, uh, he's 26, uh, was non-tendered by Colorado, uh, absolutely great player. Uh, his 2020 wasn't so great, but uh, he was injured, uh, had a shoulder injury uh, that's been o- operated on since. So Dahl, arguably the same injury risk as Eaton, uh, who is, I believe, uh, 32. So if saving money was the prime directive, like, why, why didn't we get Dahl? Like, wh- like why? Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, I, I suppose uh, if I'm going to carry water for a brief moment, uh, Eaton <laughs> did have a, a very good 2019. Um, so he definitely he helped the Nationals uh, get win win a World Series, which is nice. You know, always good. Uh, he he has a World Series ring. Uh, so perhaps maybe that's the reason why he's back because. Uh, apparently postseason experience, World Series experience is uh, at the top of uh, Rick Hahn's uh, acquisition list. So he hit uh, 279 with 15 home runs, 49 RBIs, 25 doubles, and 15 stolen bases in that season. Uh, and that is the year also the Nats fought their way back from a 1931 start. So 
Uh, all right, I'm done carrying water. Uh, I, I absolutely hate this move. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 replacement level. I mean, at this point, just why not? Why not just keep Mizara? Um, it's 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 absolutely infuriating to think that this was a move to save money, uh, especially when uh, David Dahl uh, signs for significantly less. Anyway, Sam, your your thoughts on old friend Adam Eaton coming back? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Adam Eaton, when he was with the White Sox, we know, uh, very successful career. He was the, you know, he was able to net us uh, three um, very intriguing prospects, two of which have, uh, well, (laughs) one of which has become our ace, uh, the other of which we've netted a good uh, player for in a trade, one of which, um, you know, we pray for you, Ethan Katz, I'll just say that, (laughs) Um, but it's yeah. So I mean, Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton's uh, had a had a perfectly solid uh, career um, when he's been healthy and when he's been you know, um, you know, it, it, when he's a little bit younger. Uh, however, uh, yeah, at this point, um, extremely bizarre. I think, I think of all the the uh, the options that were available, um, that were it, 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 there's this there's this unfortunate trend that the White Sox have been getting into, which is it's like. It's like okay, so we know we know you're not going to go out and get Springer, um, which I guess means we know you're not going to go out and get a guy like Marcelo Zuna. Um, but does that mean that you have to go to the bottom of the barrel? Like, does that mean that you have to absolutely like just because you don't go to the top of the market doesn't mean you have to go to the not even the bottom of the market? No one was talking about Adam Eaton to the White Sox. No, nope. no one was talking about Adam Eaton to anywhere, to, to my knowledge. Um, because so, no one, no one cares. It's <laughs> he's, he's he's not just a um, like ooh, this might be a great like last minute acquisition. Uh, yeah. No, like 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 there was absolutely no buzz surrounding Adam. No. just mainly because uh, he sucks. Yeah, and, and and I think the other thing too is that um, the he's he we we know you know pretty much there's been a n- number of things written about Adam Eaton and his let's just say clubhouse behavior and the way that he, that other, you know, that teammates have felt about him in the past. Um, we know about clubhouse, you know, implosions that he has been a, a, seemingly a large part of. Um, I understand that in Washington, um, he feels like, I think he had said he, he's learned a lot about how to, you know, be a part of a team and all that, but the guy's 32 years old, you know, he's a veteran, he's been in, in multiple clubhouses. Um, it's just another move similar to the Larusa move where, you take a clubhouse, you take a group of, of players who really have this, had built this great chemistry together, this built great bond. And all you're doing is, is, is putting someone in there that can become the larger story than anyone else um, who is not really, shouldn't really be much of a factor, you know, on the field uh, and could be risking, you know, much larger of a factor as far as what he does off the field, which can negatively impact the team. So um I'll just say that one of the, you know, can it work out? It, it could, you know, Adam Eaton, you know, like you said, in his 2019, as recent as 2019, he was very solid. Um, but again, the risk and, and just the unnecessary situation that the Sox have put themselves in, everything that has to work for this move to even be average. Um, additionally, uh, I, can, I worry that the pairing of Larusa and Eaton, that Eaton will be, you know, leading off on opening day, which is really the, the doomsday scenario because Adam Eaton, you know, as a ninth, as batting ninth. Okay. Adam Eaton batting anywhere other than ninth. Absolutely. not. Uh, um, and, 
and and I, but I'm, I'm telling you, that's what scares me because I think that that Adam Eaton is a guy that Tony Larusa 100% would endorse based on the grinder, you know, attitude or whatever. Um, but what we've learned is I, I'm far less concerned about a grinder attitude and more concerned about um, number one, as far as the team is concerned, you know, producing on the field is good. Uh, but also just maybe not being an ass is a, is a good thing too. Um, so yeah, you know, just disappointing. Like I said, there was, there was so many other options and I'm not even saying, Oh, they didn't get Springer. They didn't get um, Azuna. So therefore they failed. There was so many other things they could have done um, in right field. You wrote about uh, very eloquently about many of those options. Uh, and, and Adam Eaton uh, was, <laughs> Adam Eaton was just not on the radar. <laughs> no, no. I, I would say that when I was doing research for, for that piece, uh, so I, I was definitely, you know, looking uh, amongst the the inner planets of the solar system for uh, possible players that would be a good fit. Adam Eaton was like on Pluto. Adam Eaton was like so so far removed that I didn't even consider looking at his numbers. Uh, but again, it, it's just sort of this uh, reoccurring theme. Uh, this whole kind of. Uh, we kind of have to uh, trust uh, the process in, in a way and just be like, okay, well, maybe uh, the combination of uh, potentially incendiary personalities like Eaton and Tony La Russa, uh, perhaps this is, you know, an incredibly myriad mix of, of gentlemen and uh, I, I guess one thing that we can't say, uh, say that this team is going to lack personality, uh, whether yeah. <laughs> it, whether it's lacking personality in a good way or a bad way, uh, I really wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's just. <laughs> but yeah, uh, at, at this point, I'm just sort of like, all right, um, I, I'm definitely willing to accept that. Hey, maybe maybe in some crazy way this will work. Uh, perhaps uh, in some crazy way, uh, yeah, uh, Larusa will get the good sense to stick Eaton in the nine hole and uh, have TA lead off because that is pretty much uh, the, the natural order of things. That's the way mm-hmm. it should be. Uh, mm-hmm. Tim Anderson gets on base uh, and was really successful at leading off last year. So, and I so think- yeah. I think the thing too, just another note on Eaton is that it, the, and it goes back to this idea of how he's utilized, you know, Adam Eaton is a, is a 32 year old declining injured player um, who, you know, he, on this team, if he's got, if he's sort of a role player um, and if he's just a guy like he's like, I guess our starting, just uh, starting uh right fielder, um, <laughs> which I didn't think we were going to say, but it's just to say that like if, if he's utilized correctly, I guess it could work, but I just, I worry about him coming in wanting to like be a leader on a team that has established leaders in guys like Tim Anderson um, or Giolito or Dallas Keuchel. Um, this team doesn't need that. It's, I, I, and that's also what I think scared me so much about the Larusa uh, hire, which is this, this, they, you know, the White Sox made the playoffs last season. The White Sox were a very good team last season their clubhouse dynamics seemed very strong. And I don't think that anything really needs to change about that. I think that what they needed to do was sign and acquire uh, better players in, in, in holes on the roster. Um, and they, you know, 
pretty much near objectively done that with Lance Lynn. Uh, but when it comes to right field and when it comes to the options that were out there, uh, and like you said, to hear Han talk about the financial flexibility that the Eaton signing has, and we were we were talking about this earlier this week, but the comment that he made about you know this will this will allow you know we or I think we could have gone he said Han said you know we could have gone to the top of the market but then it would have limited us to do some other things and the the how I take that is go to the top of the market one time, Rick, <laughs> we're on a first name basis. <laughs> <laughs> um, go to the top of the market one time and we'll believe that you could have quote gone to the top of the market. But until you do that, then we don't, I don't think any Sox fans or anyone following this team believes anything about that. Um, you know, do we think that we, do we sitting here think that Rick Hahn is completely responsible for uh, the full control of those decisions? We quite literally know that that's not the case, but right. it's, just, yeah. it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear that stuff. Definitely. Yeah. I think after Larusa, I think it's really hard to believe that Rick Hahn is at the helm of, yeah. of any of these decisions lately. Mm-hmm. So in that case, uh, I, I don't want to criticize him too hard uh, sure. because for all I know, uh, yeah, he, he could, be absolutely honest with us in the sense that, uh, yeah, they, they could very well go, go to the top of the market, but they just don't want to. So, uh, in that regard, um, there are still a couple of spots that I think, uh, need to be filled. Uh, so, uh, in order of priority, I think the most, uh, pressing one is certainly a closer, uh, followed by, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a platoonable DH, um, depending if uh, Andrew Vaughn is called up. Uh, right fielder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think a right field for 2021, for sure. We're going to go ahead and uh, uh, I'll, I'll already begin my research for, uh, yeah. on potential free, free ca- uh, agent candidates in a tw- uh, no 2022. What am I talking about? What, what year is this? No, what I was going to say yeah. they need a right fielder for 2021. And I just want to know, where is Alejandro de Aza? You know, what's he up to? <laughs> Knowing this organization, uh, yeah. So uh, anyone in the White Sox front office, uh, please do not listen. I, I beseech you to stop listening right th- right this moment because we don't want to like, give you any ideas. I feel like Jerry just calls Rick Hahn into his office and he's like, and Rick's like, and Jerry's like, what are we thinking about right field? And Jerry's and, and Rick goes, well, we're we're really wanting to go out and, and and bring in George Springer. You know, I think it's the perfect time to fill that that hole that's been plaguing us for for a long time, George Springer, top of the markets, you know, spend the money, the money will be spent. And then Jerry's like, fine, you can go, you can go do that. Um, if you do that, uh, we're going to lay off uh, half of the, uh, the, the, the staff in the front office and all of the vendors, and uh, we're going to replace them with robots. Um, oh, so, so which, that, which would probably be more expensive than keeping the vendors. <laughs> exactly. But I wonder if those are the sorts of situations that Jerry puts Rick in. He's like, we can go to the top of the market, get any of these people you want, but you know what? I know that your uh, your son is. I don't know if this is true. In fact, it's probably not. But he's like, I know your son is applying to Blank College, and let's just say I know some very powerful people at Blank College. And uh... oh god! So uh, beyond the apparent <laughs> the apparent daily uh, daily blackmail that Rick Hahn gets every day, yeah. uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Like, while this is all very fictional, I, I don't think this is a very help. Like, 
healthy workplace for uh, no. for Rick Hahn. Um, no. So at least if I was in his position, I would certainly feel incredibly just eternally gaslit by by my boss. Yeah. And uh, who knows? Maybe maybe there is a fraction of truth into that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, so obviously, uh, the White Sox are lowballing. Uh, so they obviously are going to go after a high market closer, potentially in Liam Hendricks. Uh, I don't know. I'm at the point where uh, I'm just thinking about all these moves and doing the potential men- mental gymnastics to kind of justify that. Okay, so we're, we're getting a fairly uh, underwhelming acquisition in Adam Eaton. Uh, so if we nab Liam Hendricks, like, do, do you feel as if this possibly un- undoes all of the uh, perhaps uh, – a scrutiny that we that we've had towards the front office and their their recent hijinks. No, because and I and I apologize. I forget who originally this was a tweet or something. So I'm kind of stealing this from the the universe of something I've seen. But just the idea that the Sox have spent big money on relief pitching before. Um, they they did it with uh, David Robertson, um, and mm. uh, and it's and I think that. I'm trying to think of other examples, but that's the one that really comes to mind. So they've, they've gone to the top of the market for the relief for relief pitching before. Um, And I think that the Liam Hendricks potential signing uh, is, is good. I mean, I, I would be okay with the signing from a baseball, you know, I think he's a, I think that, you know, even though the Sox lit him up um, (laughs) in, uh, in the, in the playoffs and then the, the, he comes back the next day and sort of somehow uh, shuts him down after throwing like 90 pitches in (laughs) In relief, if you remember that, uh, but re- yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but I no, didn't I think want he, to remember that, but yeah, <laughs> I think I think he would be a good addition. Um, I, but I did no, it would not, it would not shut down any of the feelings I have towards the front office, just because, like I said, they've spent money in uh, in the bullpen before, um, and I think that the reason that they have is because you can get away, you know, you're if you can go to the top of the market. Uh, spending on the bullpen and it's not going to be these, you know, they're big contracts for these players, relatively speaking, but it's not these massive contracts, you know, for position players um, that, that we've seen and that they've never given out. So uh, yeah, that's how, where are you on the, on the potential Liam Hendricks signing uh, bandaging up the front office perceptions? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Uh, I honestly am still a little sore over it. And uh, I, I just feel especially after seeing that the Rangers got dull for less money in arguably what could have been a better fit for the White Sox um, and also kind of fitting into their uh, th- their financial needs, which which I think is bullshit also, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. We, we should be able to afford way much more uh, than yes. – uh, say uh, mid-tier players um, who are constantly injured, um, but anyway, th- that's the reality that we just have to cope with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if the White Sox do acquire Liam Hendricks, I, I-, I think uh, yeah, it- it's going to temporarily assuage some things, uh, but of course. Uh, yeah, we never know until we see the final product on the field, and we also never know until uh, he starts uh, racking up those those saves. But, um, yeah, to, to kind of go back on an earlier point, uh, I made this joke on Twitter. Uh, 
earlier this week where I was like, oh, you can't have your cake and eaten too. But yeah. it, it's sort of like, <laughs> no, what, like, why, why can't we have cake? We can afford the cake. Yeah. So, so, I, so, so, so. <laughs> help, help me out with this though. And I've, maybe I just completely oblivious to this, but I liked Alex Colome quite a bit. Um, I know that it became sort of a, uh, like a given that they weren't going to uh, bring him back. And I don't, is he going, I mean, like, is he going to command? I, I wonder what his, what his free agency is going to look like. Um, I just felt like for, for the couple, what was it? Two years that he was here, uh, maybe a little bit more. Um, he really held down that spot. Obviously, you know, he, he made us sweat a little bit, but he always seemed to really just like get the job done. He had the demeanor of a closer. Um, he had everything kind of cool, calm and collected. Um, and then it was just like, oh no, they're, they're going to go in another direction. And I, I don't know. Again, I, I like Liam Hendricks. I think he, if you look at the numbers, um, there's a lot to like there. He's got really, really, you know, plus stuff. In fact, that's one of the things that column A doesn't necessarily have, which is like the, you know, the booming fastball, but he does have, you know, really good pinpoint control, all that. So why is it, why do you think that, that column A was sort of just quickly scratched off the, the list of potential uh, signings here or, or re-signings, I should say. That's a great question. Uh, perhaps uh, the White Sox are looking for uh, a little uh, a little less cardiac than what uh, Colin sure. kind of induced this past season. But no, I, I definitely agree with you in that. Um, yeah, th- there were times where he definitely made us sweat a little bit, but yeah, he he got the job done. Uh, so in uh, that regard, um, I feel as if uh, Hendricks may be a little bit more uh, along the same lines. Uh, so it definitely would keep things more interesting, but uh, I don't know. At, at this point, uh, my analysis is a, is a little superficial, but I just feel as if that uh, the White Sox are just kind of looking to um, you know, just shake things up. Yeah. Well, we're, we have to give Colin his flowers, Again. I guess, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, there are so many players that uh, we have to say goodbye to. Of course, the other one being uh, James McCann uh, just yes. recently signed uh, with the Mets for years, 40 million. Mm-hmm. So uh, my initial thoughts, uh, good for him. He, he definitely deserves a starting role. Uh, he, I, I don't think uh uh, his abilities as a his his, his abilities are are not that of a backup catcher. Uh, he he definitely deserves to uh, kind of just just be in the spotlight uh, to catch guys like Marcus Stroman, uh, who warmly welcomed him to the team already. So that that's always like fantastic to see. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for a guy uh, who turned his career around uh, in in two years, uh, I, I think he was was he was he DFA'd by the Tigers? I can't remember. He was. He was yeah. yeah oh my goodness wow for, for, from being dfa'd by the tigers to just uh, nabbing a a long-term deal um in a pandemic after a pandemic shortened season is mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic so good for him um I, i'm gonna miss the hell out of the guy i'm so glad that he's in the national league uh so i w- won't have to see him as often <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he it's a great, it's a great story. Um, yeah. Like you said, turning his career around. Um, I think also it's, it's important that you mentioned that he was able to get this contract after that, the shortened season, because I think going into the season, there was that weird thought of, you know, in 60 games, how is James McCann going to prove to 
potential suitors that he is worthy of a, you know, of the big, of starting money. Um, especially with the White Sox having Grandal and, 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 and with all of that, as you mentioned, he was able to still do that in a very shortened season. Um, and that speaks to, you know, I don't know, I guess I could, it's all the, the cliches that you hear, the hard work, whatever, but whatever it is. Um, yeah. He's, he's a, he's a guy that could the White Sox have afforded him? Yes. Uh, period. Uh, but, it, but again, I, I understand it, you know, under the, the, circumstances that we work with uh, rooting for a uh, for a professional sports team um, things just don't work like that unfortunately uh, but yeah best of luck to him with the with the Mets um, and uh, yeah but good for him 10 you know what was it four years 40 million four years yeah four yeah. four years 40 million um yeah, yeah I this might be short-sighted but I believe it's the first um, long-term contract that's been handed out this season. Uh, I, I can't remember I off the top so. of my head any other ones. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, just so incredibly happy for him. Sucks that he's not with the White Sox, but, mm-hmm. uh, hey, we, we've got uh, Zach Collins and your mean Mercedes and Seve Zavala to, to look forward to. <laughs> Yasmani Grandal's knees are going to be just – just to the bone. It's just going to be the bone. I don't know. He's, he's going to be catching a lot of games this season. <laughs> he is used to catching many games. I, yes. I do remember. Yeah. He, he caught, um, he caught maybe like a hundred and he, he caught 150 games, I believe uh, for the Brewers in 20 oh, wow. in 2019. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not, uh, that's not an official number. Uh, I didn't look that up. That's just, <laughs> me just spouting random numbers but, off the top of my head. But I anyway, mean, the point is, yeah, yeah he catches we, a the, lot of games. The Sox also do not have a backup catcher. Don't listen to whatever the organization is telling you. This, this backup catcher is not in the organization. Um, like, I don't know. I guess we really didn't see your mean Mercedes catch, but that would be my pick just for entertainment. Um <laughs> We know he can hit. We know your mean Mercedes yes. has a bat on him. And he also yes. can play left field and he also can play third base. He could do whatever, uh, whatever. Yeah, we exactly. Need. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you, you, you need it. Your mean has it. Uh, mm-hmm. But if he does it well, though, that's the other question. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, that's enough uh, speculating about. Uh, you know, the White Sox crying poor. We are going to take a slight break from our, uh, for a word from our sponsor. So here it is. Here is the break. Enjoy. Hey, we're back. Did you miss us? I'm sure you did. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, this is Northside Sox, a Southside Sox podcast. Uh, with me is Sam Sherman. I, me, that is me. I, I am Janice. <laughs> we were discussing um, White Sox uh, offseason moves um, or lack thereof. First, the uh, acquisition of Lance Lynn, followed by uh, the one-year signing 
of Adam Eaton, old hashtag old friend Adam Eaton. So uh, we're done with that part of the pod. Uh, we're, we're just going to uh, repress that memory for the time being. Uh, let's go ahead and go to uh, um, a quick mailbag. So uh, Sam, yes. uh, you got this email from one of our listeners, Max. Yes. And I, I was reading Max's email and honestly, I, I started crying in the club. Like, 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 <laughs> like this was so incredibly sweet. But anyway, uh, here are some of Max's words. Uh, so, dear Janice and Sam, my name is Max and I have been a listener since the first episode. While that may only be one and a half months so far, I hope that I am allowed to say long-time listener, first-time emailer. I am a Northside Chicagoan living in Brooklyn and grew up a Red Sox fan. So why am I listening to you two? 2020 was a tough year in many ways, and I don't mean to belittle any of the real problems that people have faced by talking about my champagne or sparkling grape juice ones. However, losing Mookie Betts was the worst, single worst thing to happen in my life as a sports fan. Ooh. The Red Sox are the great love of my life, and I felt like I walked in on them sleeping with our accountant, <laughs> and then the accountant handed me a bill. <laughs> this is great. I cannot complain too much. Four World Series championships in my short life thus far is more than any baseball fan can dream of. Rub, rub it in, why don't you? But it still stung. There is no reasonable explanation for trading Mookie Betts other than the fact that the owner of the club, John, Hen John Henry, wanted to save money. Hmm, this sounds familiar. Yeah. So if a major concern of mine is a baseball owner pinching pennies, why would I start caring about Jerry Reinsdorf and the White Sox? <laughs> Great question. Well, this year was weird. I have not given up my Red Sox fandom. I never will. And while I continue to watch a very injured and very bad team through the MLB app, <laughs> I knew that I needed to watch some baseball that was fun in the dog days. And that was the White Sox. As someone who wanted to watch a Chicago baseball team to connect back to the place I call home, it was always going to be the White Sox. I'm not going to give the Ricketts a dime, and I have White Sox fandom in my blood. My mom's side of the family is from the south side, and my namesake, my great-grandpa Maxie, was a season ticket holder at Old Comiskey Park. I had been an admirer of what Rick Hahn had been building from afar and decided it was time to dig into the team. The 2020 White Sox were an absolute blast. Yes, they absolutely were. I love the, the personalities of the players. I was so impressed by the evolution of the core players, and it was almost a relief when a good player would contribute. And I wouldn't Google them to make sure the Red Sox didn't give up, give them up in the Chris Sale deal. <laughs> it was a great year with a disappointing ending, but adversity is what teams on the rise have to deal with. That's very true. I was excited for the next chapter. Northside Sox has been an excellent place for me to listen to two lifers who have a borderline insane, oh my, <laughs> memory of White Sox history and balancing that with a common sense, smart approach aww, about the evolution of the team in a game that is evolving. I am constantly nodding along to what you're saying or stopping mid-jog because an idea was so good, I didn't want to forget it. Well, Max, I, I hope your run is going well. Uh, <laughs> while I learned that La, La Russa was loose, the Northside Sox were the first people I wanted to hear from. And as both the good and bad things happen to the White Sox in the coming year, I will be listening to the show, anticipating your takes, and learning things every week. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 like the, 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 this letter had me crying. Just, yeah. First of all, this is confirmation that someone listens to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we know we've got one. Um, 
Anyway, Max, we are so happy to have you as a listener. And uh, yeah, uh, while I do this with Sam to kind of uh, help talk out and uh, assuage my own uh, thoughts and feelings about the White Sox, I'm so glad that someone else is benefiting from this as well. But uh, yeah, uh, Max also included a couple of questions for us to answer. So uh, thank you for doing that, Max. Uh, so yes. uh, Sam, did you want to yeah. pick a question? Uh, first of all, love you, Max. Uh, very sweet letter. Um, extremely sweet letter. I know Janice, as Janice said, uh, we both definitely uh, meant a lot to us to read it. Um, so you asked some phenomenal questions, which I think uh, we will be getting to all of them over the coming weeks. Uh, I wanted to pick a few to highlight uh, highlight here on this episode. Um, so uh, first question was, uh, as Max stated, what do you think uh, should be the future of broadcasting in baseball? Is there any way that we will get more statisticians with good mic skills rather than former players doing color commentary? Or should I just stick to getting that in soccer? Uh, Janice, why don't you uh, start out on this one? I think, uh, especially right now, the best example of what Max is talking about in his question is definitely Jason Benetti, where we see uh, someone who has been a, a, a lifer, a lifer fan, uh, who is definitely who definitely a showcase showcases a love of the game coupled with a deep knowledge of the game uh, coupled with uh, yeah his excellent mic skills I feel as if um, we as White Sox fans are blessed to have Benetti as an announcer uh, just mainly because uh, listening to any other broadcast, I, I just kind of feel this void. He's kind of missing a lot of his analysis and a lot of kind of his uh, his quirky side jokes and just the warmth and personality that he brings to the broadcast booth. Uh, and I think a lot of people agree with me in that sense uh, because Benetti calls national games. Um, we'll, we'll see him on ESPN quite a bit. He also did some fantastic work for the KBO. I was really enthusiastic to watch those games as well. Um, Yeah, so going forward, I hope that more people uh, take uh, Benetti as a great example. I know uh, he certainly does a lot in terms of representation. Uh, So, yeah, hopefully we see more people like Jason Benetti in the future. Yeah, I I agree. I think when I... Um, you know, growing up, I learned, I learned so much about baseball from watching, uh, you know, broadcasts and watching, you know, what the announcers had to say, uh, for, for us, you know, that was watching uh, Hawk Harrelson. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, um, when I was, when I was younger, when I was a child, it was, it was awesome to listen to Hawk, uh, because he, he (laughs) absolutely, you know, was the fan that, you know, he, the way he would react and the way he would respond was how I think we were all feeling in those moments, um, was, you know, was a full minute of silence on, you know, TV, uh, the best way to, you know, do the job. I'm not so sure. Uh, but it was many times how we felt. However, again, uh, like a lot of what I learned about the game was probably from Hawk, which, uh, which some, you know, some of that good, a lot of that, uh, I needed to unlearn. Uh, however, in by that same token that we learn from, you know, that a lot of younger generation of fans will be learning from the broadcasters that they're watching or listening to. I think Benetti is a, like you said, a great example of someone that, that um, a new generation of, of baseball fans, which baseball, the MLB desperately needs. 
um, can can do uh, can it can really do wonders to listen to more broadcasters like Benetti who are not only entertaining um, and and bring you know whether it's pop culture references or whatever into the broadcast, but also can talk about advanced stats in a way um, that people can understand them uh, because these are things that are not it, none of this is going away from the game. Um, it's all going to be more and more incorporated. It's already being extremely incorporated. So the more that um, younger fans and older fans and ev- all ages of fans can uh, can learn about those stats, I think the the better, and also in digestible ways. Um, so hopefully we see we see more and more of that moving forward. And I think the thing that also sets Benetti apart is that not only is uh, he just so incredibly smart baseball wise, but he also has this really great empathy that makes him accessible. Uh, he just it kind of exemplifies this, this kind of kindness uh, mm-hmm. when he, w- w- uh, during a White Sox broadcast. And so, especially when uh, the first couple of games uh, were being broadcast, I just remember uh, him t- talking about baseball as being a kind of like a, like a healing uh, element. There, there, there's a, a healing element to baseball. He said something along those lines and how uh, it certainly brings people together and how we certainly do need baseball in trying times. And mm-hmm. so it was certainly the words that we needed to hear. Uh, it, it definitely wasn't a uh, kind of uh, shut up and play type assessment. Uh, but no, the, it, the, there are certainly bigger issues uh, than baseball going mm-hmm. on right now. And I feel as if he is very aware of that and has a great, a, a greater social consciousness, which I, I think is needed in broadcasting. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note too, that uh, with the, with the shocking addition of Len Casper to the White Sox uh, radio team, um, it'll be, it'll be enjoyable to listen to another announcer who brings so many of those same qualities. My personal, probably favorite announcer in all of baseball uh, being Len Casper, um, but not having the opportunity to listen to him all that often, of course, broadcasting game for the Cubs. Uh, So the White Sox, when it comes to, when it comes to the, their their broadcast booths, uh, there's probably not a stronger um, a stronger couple of teams than the White Sox have with with uh, with their broadcasting uh, teams for both radio and TV. Um, so uh, the the next question uh, that Max that Max asks is: If you could do one thing to improve guaranteed rate field, what would you do? The answer can't be stop calling it guaranteed rate field. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> that would be probably number one. <laughs> right. So I, I guess like my personal uh, gripe with guaranteed rate field is that uh, the craft cave takes way too long to get to. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Like it, 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 it's, it's so I, I'm just, I, I begin my walk. And of course, you know, if you're, you're with your friend, um, you're just like, Hey, you know, you want, you want to go get some fancy, fancy pants beers from the craft cave. And you know, mm-hmm. the answer is always hell. Yeah. yeah. So you begin your walk down the ramp and it's like five, 10 minutes. You hear just this <laughs> roaring noise from the crowd. Like Yoan Moncada has hit a, a, a three run home run, putting the white Sox up three, yeah. nothing. I'm, I'm just <laughs> making, making this up by the way. Uh, so you're like, oh man, I missed it. Oh man. But you know, you, you kind of have to, uh, live, live with that, uh, life choice there. Cause you know, you, you wanted a fancy beer. You, you just didn't want a regular, uh, basic bitch Miller light. You wanted, <laughs> you wanted to go down and get like a, a golden road mango cart because exactly. uh, th- th- that, that's a really fantastic beer. 
So, uh, yeah, you get to the craft cave. Uh, of course, uh, you don't necessarily want to go back. So they have a two beer limit. You take your two beers, you, you, uh, pay like $27 for your two beers. Yes. And then, uh, <laughs> I, I, the, that, that might be a low ball actually. $27 for two beers. Sounds a little <laughs> low. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, you decide to kind of stick around maybe, you know, harass whoever is in the, uh, opposition's bullpen. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and then you make your, uh, your, your 10 minute walk back up to field level. And then you hear another roar from the crowd and, uh, you've missed another home run. You've, you've missed just another awesome bomb, uh, hit yeah. by, hit by, I don't know, Jose Abreu did it this time. <laughs> like he, he was, he was batting, um, he, yeah, he was batting after Moncada for some reason. So, uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I think that would be my improvement is having some sort of like speed elevator or just, you know, you know, some, some kind of simple staircase that, you know, you'd be allowed to uh, just uh, ascend up section 109 or 108 or I, I can't remember. Like, like, like I, it's been so long since I've walked around <laughs> the concourse is that I, I, uh-huh. I don't even remember where all the sections are anymore. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, if I could just walk up a staircase from the craft cave uh, and get back to field level, I would love that. A slide, anyway. perhaps. Yes, a slide <laughs> to get down to the craft cave. Uh, yeah, and I, perhaps perhaps some sort of um, maybe like a reverse slide. I don't know. Maybe like a, like a, a trebuchet. That, that will a just trebuchet. Like... <laughs> Yeah, so so the one important thing here is like not the trebuchet. Like, like, like I don't think that would be as innovative as say some sort of like a beer can uh, topper that would temporarily go over the top of my beer because legally uh, when they serve oh, you yeah. they have to they have to crack it open for you. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, in that sense, some sort of cover that would pre- prevent my beer from being spilled as I'm just just trebucheted <laughs> back onto the 100 <laughs> level. So that th- that is my idea for improvement. So uh, yeah, we we could have. The White Sox could have signed uh, David Dahl for three million and used the other four million <laughs> to invest in a trebuchet that, <laughs> that that just launches White Sox fans from the craft cave back up to the one hundred level. Hashtag tank for trebuchet. Uh, so <laughs> I I really like that because I feel the exact same way. You know, you go to you go to get a beer uh, at the craft cave in like the third inning. And you come back to your seats and you're like, how is it the seventh? It's just, <laughs> where did all that time go? It takes a long time because you pointed out, if you take like friends to a game who, who maybe haven't been there or haven't been in a long time since, the, and you could point it out, you say, we're going to go down there. It's this really cool area. Um, and they're like, okay, but it's like, I got to warn you, it takes like a weirdly long amount of time <laughs> to get to it, uh, which just seems strange, but it's, it's true, like you said. So I, I like that one quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think for, we're fortunate to, to, um, have a uh, guaranteed rate field uh, for many ways. Cause it's a great, it's a really great ballpark for food, for beer. Um, you know, there's a, it's, it's just a, you know, it's a really solid place to, uh, to hang out for, for an afternoon or for an evening to watch the Sox. Uh, I do, I guess, and this is certainly not an original idea, but just if they could have just turned the stadium around uh, to have the, the, the view being, <laughs> one of the most gorgeous uh, city drops backdrops in, in the world um, would have been nice. Didn't happen. Instead, you sort of uh, don't get that. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I don't think that they can do that, but maybe one day there will be another, uh, another stadium that the White Sox play in. Um, hopefully that isn't in like uh, another, another city, <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, nothing will really surprise me at this point, um, but I would like yeah, a better they, they, backdrop. They, they really just wanted to keep that 35th and shields uh, <laughs> cross address so badly that yeah. Uh, yeah they, they figured, uh, you know, you want your view? You have what the scoreboards your view. <laughs> you're going to look, you, you're, you're going to look at this scoreboard and you're going to like it. And it's a great scoreboard, but yeah, it is. It, it's know, it's cool was... as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just like, you know, you, you, you could have had, you, 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 you could have had steak. You could have had steak. You could have had pizza. But, uh, yeah, instead, uh, you decided to go for Taco Bell. I mean, like, not that, not that Taco Bell is bad. I mean, I, I do enjoy a Crunch Wrap Supreme every now and then as a woman with discerning tastes. Uh, but yeah, we, it could have gone so much differently. It could have gone yeah. so much better, which is, a, is something that I'm saying a lot about this team. But. <laughs> Um, so third and, and final question here. Once again, Max, thank you so much for, uh, for the lovely letter and the, the great questions. Max asks, looking back at the 2018 off season and the pursuits of Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, uh, did not signing either to long-term deals turn out to be a blessing in disguise? Um, my, my initial thoughts on that, it, you know, it's an interesting question. It's one that's been, you know, brought up, I think in the White Sox community for, since it happened. Um, you know, you look at you look at what Machado's done. Um, you look at what Bryce Harper's done. I think it's it's hard, to, you know, since not signing with the White Sox. Um, I think that it's hard to say. I, it, I I'm afraid to say, you know, that they're better for it um, simply because I'd like quite a bit to have uh, Bryce Harper right now. But also, I think that by saying it, it sort of implies that they couldn't have done it and then also done everything else that they want to do, um, which I think is a, is a false narrative. Um, the White Sox could have signed uh, Bryce Harper and or Manny Machado and still done everything that they would want to do. Um, they have the money for that. They have more than enough money to do those things. Um, so I'm not letting them off the hook for that reason. I think that the only thing is maybe, you know, I think that the, at, at third base, for example, I'm perfectly fine with Moncada there. Um, which is just a benefit of having Yohan Moncada there. Um, but, you know, you look at right field, and I, I, I don't know about you, Janice, but I think Bryce Harper is a little bit better than uh, than Adam Eaton. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love Adam Eaton. Uh, I actually <laughs> campaigned for him to potentially become an everyday player uh I, I probably am still on that train, actually, for for Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> for Adam Angle, Adam Angle <laughs> to to be an everyday player. Uh, perhaps like the biggest reason is because uh, he's got an interesting reverse platoon split against right-handed mm-hmm. pitching. Uh, yeah, and if you're a right-handed hitter that can hit right-handed pitching well, then that's 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 awesome. That's yeah. super cool. Uh, so, so yeah, but no, I, I, I do not doubt, uh, that Harper would be an upgrade over, um, Adam Engel, um, whom, whom I love, whom I love very dearly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm with you in that re- regard that they very well, the White Sox could have very well afforded either Harper or Machado. Um, I, I'm certainly not as hung up over Machado than I am yeah. over Harper. 
but uh, yeah, uh, definitely some of the criticism that you'll hear is that uh, some of these guys uh, were, were overpaid or, or too much money was spent on these guys. And I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, they, they definitely uh, put up a good argument for uh, why they should be paid that much. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, the White Sox chose not to go that route. Uh, they, they, they choose not to go that route many times. Uh, so I think certainly the White Sox would not be in this position where they are uh, in right field if they would have gotten Bryce Harper. That, yeah, <laughs> I could not agree more with that. But, but anyway, yeah, that is that is my final thought on that. So now that we're finished finished opening up old wounds, we are going to wrap up today's podcast with a fun little segment. I don't know mm-hmm. if you could hear this through. So uh, we were thinking that, uh, yeah, so. The White Sox seem to be a team run by the writer's room of a comedy show rather than actual baseball people. Uh, this team won't lurk black personality, uh, so what's more comedic than a funny young team on the precipices of winning more ball games suddenly mixed up with a more old-school baseball theology? This is Arrested Development. <laughs> that was phenomenal. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, there there are certainly some really great parallels between uh, some of the Arrested Development characters and some of the characters that we see uh, in the White Sox front office and on the field too. So uh, so yeah, it, it definitely does feel at times that the White Sox are run by writers in a comedy room. Um, you know, having having been a comedy writer myself, I, I, I don't think I would have put together a team uh, <laughs> this well as what I'm seeing right here so you, you, you've got kind of your outspoken um kind of your 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 ball busting outspoken guys you've got anderson and keichel you've got uh the the gamer dude that's surrounded by cats and uh in lucas giolito <laughs> you've got uh yeah the i don't have a racist bone in my body and a uh, tony Larusa, and you've got the uh yeah j- j- just the uh, perennially uh cheap owner in jerry reinsdorf so uh, yeah, I think that the biggest parallel I'm seeing right here, George Bluth is certainly Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> oh yeah, without a doubt, um, the uh, the patriarch of the White Sox organization. Uh, I would say um, one of the similarities right off the bat would be the fact that uh, sort of you know built built a thing um, that you know has this sort of credibility from from the past that is uh, very, very quickly crumbling in many ways uh, all around, at least in the sense of uh, some of the decision-making and realizing, uh, you know, I think a lot of the uh, the things that are happening here maybe did not have to do with actual, um, <laughs> actual good decisions and actual uh, maybe uh, hard work, whatever. That's another, that's not, that's a story for another day, but um, yeah, I think that the George Bluth uh, senior and Jerry Reinsdorf, comparison that was the one that when we were originally texting about this idea really just jumped off the page um which i think leads us maybe to the second uh the second comparison um which really just kind of fit in quite perfectly at least to us which was lucille bluth and uh tony larusa 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Lucille is definitely Tony LaRussa uh, in the sense that, uh, yeah. So uh, Lucille and George uh, married Tony LaRussa in Reinsdorf and Reinsdorf, not married, but they're very close friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably. Uh, yeah. The reason why Tony LaRussa is around uh, is essentially, uh, is essentially Reinsdorf. Uh, so yeah, definitely some strong parallels there. Uh, I can definitely see Tony LaRussa handing, uh, handing someone like uh, Andrew Vaughn a couple of dollars and telling him to go see a Star War. I, I can definitely <laughs> see, see that happening. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. yeah. Go, go see a also, Star War. Also not having a racist bone in the body comment, uh, I would say, is pretty similar there. <laughs> um, yeah, that one, that one really just kind of jumped off the page uh, as far as... as the, now, now, there were a couple of, of uh, characters here that we had... Um, some differing opinions, but both very, uh, very good arguments for. Um, who did who did you initially uh, pick for Michael Bluth? So uh, Michael Bluth is kind of uh, the he's he's kind of like the, the the control. He's kind of the straight man. He's kind of this like normal uh, guy that's just surrounded by a lot of extenuating circumstances, and uh, his his family is absolutely driving him nuts. He loves his family, but of course, uh, their, their their ideas um, c- can sometimes clash with his own personal beliefs and whatnot. So uh, I think there there are two strong options here. I know you have one, I have the other. My first was Giolito. That Lucas Giolito is very kind of your uh, normal uh, sort of uh, everyday dude. Um, you know, j- just goes through it like everyone else. He's sort of like your everyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, is, is presented and has to deal with all of these other personalities on a regular basis. So uh, I would imagine that uh, yeah, his reaction and his kind of uh, uh, way he applies himself to the world is very similar to Michael Bluth's uh, in that sense. Uh, but yeah, let, let's hear yours. I, I thought of Rick Hahn. I, I like. I, I definitely like the Lucas Giolito one. I think Rick Hahn. I, I thought about for Michael Bluth, um, just because. You know, you've got Rick Hahn who um, has every bit of the best intentions. He does try uh, to make this to make this team better. Um, he has the the constraints, much like uh, Michael Bluth does try to bring the family together. And and uh, but there are the constraints of the family. Um, yes, and there I you think, go. Yes, and I think at the end of the day, they run into the same situation, which is they try um, so hard, and sometimes they get far, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, that would be the uh, the comparison that I have. But there's a couple of uh, strong ones there in um, in Giolito and Rick Hahn being compared to um, to Michael Bluth. Uh, yeah, so, I, I see your yeah. Han there, and I think like the the biggest Michael Bluth moment Han probably had was uh, the Larusa press conference. Just just kind yeah. of like he he definitely has the look on his face of someone who is trying to hold it all together. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, there, there's certainly some strong parallels here. Uh, so moving on, uh, I think the strongest uh, comp for George Michael is probably Eloy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just kind of, you know, you know, young kind of, you know, trying to find his place in the world. Uh, certainly uh, kind of um, misdirected at times, but otherwise he has a really good heart. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's talking about pop pop in the attic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely see Eloy saying something like that. Um, mm-hmm. 
but uh, yeah, just always finding himself in all sorts of like crazy predicaments. Uh, so I don't know, maybe you could probably even make somewhat of a case uh, for Eloy uh, as uh, as Tobias, but I, I think uh, I don't know if we really have a strong Tobias on this team. No, and I no. like the Eloy and and uh, George Michael because you've got the the idea where there's like the development, right? So you've got the sort of awkward uh, young child that then kind of still still has these some awkward tendencies, but actually has quite a bit of character development, much like Eloy has had. Um, will he make the occasional blunder out and left? Oh yes, without a doubt. Um, but there's still uh, all the best, many of the best intentions, and still growth uh, there with uh, with Eloy. Um, Which leads me to the next point. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think uh, I think maybe is certainly Luis Robert, where Luis Robert is uh, always upstaging Eloy uh, in the <laughs> outfield in some sense, uh, and so in the same ca- in the same way, uh, maybe always keeps uh, her cousin George Michael uh, on his feet uh, in, in, in many different ways. So uh, I, I don't think Luis Robert has pretended to be a movie exec yet, uh, but <laughs> it, 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 it does sound like something he'd do. I've seen his TikToks. Uh, so yeah. he, he, he certainly is a man of many trades, uh, <laughs> like, like maybe uh, who is very multifaceted, very, very talented in the sense that she, she adapts very easily uh, mm-hmm. to any situation she's in. So uh, yeah, there's, there's your maybe Luis Robert. <laughs> um. Another one I had, which I was, I, I was thinking about account for, for uh, old, new, old, new friend, Adam Eaton. Uh, and I initially thought of Tony Wonder. And then I thought of An Young. Uh, and I feel like I don't know which to go with as a final pick, but I just get very big. Uh, I, I tend to side more with the Tony Wonder just because I get big time Tony Wonder vibes from Adam Eaton. I don't know why. I just do. <laughs> He's just there. He just always shows up and he maintains throughout the series as a character that pops in. <laughs> well, which, your other, yeah. yeah, your other comp for Eaton was Anyang, which I thought was, I, I, I had a hard time seeing it at first, but definitely kind of the relationship between Lucille uh, and Anyang. <laughs> and I would imagine that the relationship between Tony, Tony LaRusa and Adam Eaton would be somewhat similar, yes. somewhat strong where, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Eaton might even see himself as kind of an adopted son of, yes. of Tony LaRusa <laughs> in a way. Uh, yeah. Perhaps like, like the father he's never had or, or maybe has had, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but anyway, you, you get the point. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. So the other strong comparison I saw Steve Holt is certainly Dallas Keuchel, kind of like a, a a cheerleady type dude. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, yeah, uh, I I do remember uh, earlier this week, uh, I think NBC sports said something about how Keuchel had to uh, teach a lot of the other guys about what was it like clubhouse leadership or or whatever, or. Yeah. 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 I, I, it was, he had to teach them because he felt like the, they were not at a, you know, they didn't know how to win or something, which we talked about this a little bit (laughs) pre-show, but it's like, it's like, it's hard because it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I get it. I know, I know he had a couple of, you know, he, he led some, led some, uh, some, some clubhouse meetings with the team this season and uh, kind of had to fire him up or something. But again, they, they were a very good team this year. So I, I don't know if, uh, if, if he was talking about this past season or if he was talking about seasons before, but um, 
Steve Holt. <laughs> <Dolph Cycle. laughs> what do you think? I, we, we talked a little about this earlier, but what do you think about the, uh, the whole dynamic of social media and players liking things or unfollowing or following or taking things out of their bios? Do you think there's much to, much to see there? Uh, I think like 80% of the time, uh, it, it's meaningless as, as, as most things are as, uh, as, as life is in general. Uh, but that, th- that's enough nihilism for one podcast. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, uh, especially Tim Anderson's comment on that, uh, Instagram post where he, he was like teaching and a lot of people like kind of interpreted that as being, Oh my God, Tim Anderson's being a diva again. Oh my God. Uh, but honestly, uh, I, I do, I did see that Keiko liked the comments. Uh, they also pointed that out. But I don't know. Uh, I guess you can interpret it as being, uh, yeah, Keichel actually like going after, uh, or Anderson going after Keichel on social media, which I don't think is the case. Uh, I don't know. It, it, mm-hmm. se- it seems like uh, it came off to me as just like coworkers busting each other's balls. It, it's, uh, and then of course you can also read into other people's likes. Um, someone on Twitter said that Liam Hendricks liked his comment on Instagram, and I, I think like he just got married too. So I don't know. Like, like if I if I just got married and I was a like desirable free agent, I would like every comment on on my Instagram <laughs> too. So so I think that that's being read into a little too much. Um, but I mean I don't know. When I'm scrolling through Instagram myself, I don't really pay too much attention to what I'm liking and not liking um so I, I guess like what you said earlier uh it's, it's almost as if these guys um don't exist in a vacuum just for us to you know yes. overanalyze uh yeah it's, it's almost if it's almost as if baseball players are human as well so i don't know from what we can tell <laughs> <laughs> what is it we're in the, th- the first universe but there are three at least universes that we know of at least three other universes. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so perhaps, perhaps in, in universe two, um, all baseball players have been replaced by androids, uh, not <laughs> the phone, not the phone android, but but no literal androids, like like like, like Philip K. Dick androids, those kinds. Ah, there you- <laughs> um, like like so- Nexus Nexus Six bastards. I want, I wonder what they're talking about on the, the on our podcast in the third universe. We will find out one day. About potatoes and farming. It is yeah. actually they they actually were true to their word and they 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 are now an agricultural podcast. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They, they they don't lie like we do. Yeah, <laughs> our, our, our our alternate selves in other universes. Yeah, they they they, they certainly uh, they're people of their words. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Janice, why don't you round it out here? Our our Arrested Development comps to Sox players and talk about uh, just what we thought about here at the end about the banana stand and, and, and maybe where that compares to the Chicago White Sox organization. Uh, the banana stand is certainly the White Sox front office because there's always money in the banana stand. There is always money in the banana stand. And I think, uh, yeah, once you figure out that that can be interpreted literally, then a whole new world opens, like a, a, a whole new universe, I guess, of, of sorts is, is just ours for the taking. Uh, so, so, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that is, that is, uh, arrested development, White Sox style. <laughs> That was fun. I, I I think it's it's just and you you talked about it in your in the intro for that, but it's like it is wild how this team is being put together in this 
there we've talked about it a number of times, but this they had, there was such potential to just absolutely round out this um, rebuild, the end of the rebuild with just some some moves here and there that would have really been um, you know the cherry on top of what has been a great job you know rebuilding this roster, creating a a contending team um, with the 2020 and beyond White Sox. Um, and every move that they've made, almost every move that they've made since, um, and and front and, and how they've handled these situations, um, truly uh, could not be written by the best comedy writers um, out there. Because, uh, yeah, you know, truth is stranger than fiction, and uh, that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing right now, heading into the twenty twenty one White Sox season. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't think I have laughed harder than I have over these uh, past few acquisitions. Uh, so, 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 so who knows? Maybe the writer's room has something better in store for us. Uh, so maybe next podcast, uh, we'll talk about, uh, yeah, the, 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 the final piece, uh, Liam Hendricks. So I'll, I'll see if I can see anything funny to, uh, to comp <laughs> him to. But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I, I will be highly surprised if that happens, but, uh, on that note, I believe this wraps up uh, another fun-filled episode of Northside Sox. Oh, man, did, did we even, like, decide what the official name of, the, of this episode is? I know I titled it, You, can, you uh, Can't Have Your Cake and Eaten Too, but I, there's I so like... many things we could go with. So many <laughs> well, things we could go with. Hey, I'm still just pondering the artwork for this one. You know, there's so many options. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to look forward to what you have what you have in store for us here. But anyway, on behalf of Northside Sox, I'm Janice Scurrio. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Scuriosa, S-C-U-R-R. Oh, no, no, that's, that's not how you spell it. S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. Uh, and follow Northside Sox on, uh, on Twitter as well. We have a Twitter account. Uh, that is Northside Sox Pod. Sam, um, yeah, any uh, last words? I'm Sam. Uh, you can follow me. Uh, in the you, in the void of the something with the universe, if you go outside and scream, or you're outside and you hear someone screaming, it's probably me. Um, <laughs> unless it's like something really bad. If it's like if you hear screaming and it really just inspires you to really just get up and go and 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 uh, find meaning in this meaningless world, then it's me. If not, it's not me. It's probably someone else. But I hope everyone has a wonderful Sunday here, wonderful rest of the week as we gear up for the holiday season. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Okay.